People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead returned to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode. Um, again, apologize for delaying episodes. Everything's still up in the air at this end. Uh, obviously, Finch is having a baby soon, so there's things going on there, and uh, getting together is a bit difficult at the moment with you know lockdown, essentially, and all that stuff. So, sorry for the delay. But we're here now. Right, today, uh, exciting episode, I think. We've got um, Embroswin coming on. Now, that's his sole name. He gets into a little bit of that today. Um, something I've not really come across before, so that was interesting. Now, he's got a book coming out called A Demon Hunter. And that's what he is, a demon hunter. Um, but it's coming out in May. So today, we sort of focused on... A little bit of things around him and what's been going on rather than the book uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a part two where we basically focus on the book itself uh, but you can still pre-order the book now it comes out in may but like i say we'll have getting back on in a few weeks time a little bit closer to when the book comes out and you know give you a little bit more detail about what's actually in the book how he became a uh, demon hunter again the first part of the book is all about that and it, it, you know, it's it's an interesting story in itself. I mean, there's, there's elves in it and all sorts of stuff. So you know, if you you know, you'll probably find it interesting. But we'll get into the book itself at a later date. This is just a little bit of uh, background, if you like. Um, he did have parrots in the background, so you'll hear them from occasion. But you know, adds to the ambience, really. Um, it was too early in the morning for him, because obviously recording in the States and the UK, to let his parrots outside. So he had to have the parrots in there. But, you know, like I say, really didn't cause much too much bother. But in case you're wondering what that squawking is in the background, that's what it is. It's not me uh, having a curry last night. So I'm going to show uh, and then I'll speak to you at the end. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I think this is going to be a very interesting and thought-provoking uh, interview. Um, so, your name, Ambroswin, um, this is a soul name, okay? And it's something that I've not run across before, so I, I wanted you to explain a little bit about what goes into one of those. Sure, well... I a soul name, and, and my full soul name would be Ambroswin Toscavel. And each one of those sound syllables, M, Rose, Win, Taz, Ku, Vel, each one ha has a sound that resonates with you and helps unleash your own personal abilities and powers. Most things you may not have been aware of, many things you would. And once you hear that name, and once it's your name, and once you say it aloud or hear other people say it aloud, it brings out those powers and abilities in you that may have been lying dormant in you for all of your life. And um, as I as I mentioned, I think I have done this for hundreds and hundreds of people over the years. Where I've discovered their soul name and the meanings of the sounds for them. And it some people it just changes their life just knowing their soul name and being able to say it and bringing out these these latent abilities and powers or even just in their life, knowing what powers and abilities to emphasize to have the most success and happiness in their life. Yeah. Can you, um, obviously, can you break one of the syllables down in, in your name and give me an example of what it means and how you came to take it on? Sure, just a second. I'll, I'll get something for you. No, if we're on just on audio that you can't see this, but my wife made this up for me. Um, and this is uh, takes my name and and says the what the different sounds mean. So M means ability to use the psyche and the mind together. 
grows is the ability to focus energy explosively, accomplishing much in less time, the power of fire energy. Wind is the power to create change suddenly. Taz is the power of the five-star balance, impish playfulness, steadfast dependability, profound spirituality, psychic insight, and the ability to call forth forces beyond oneself. Ku is the fire within, the ability to inspire or singe the hearts of others by the energy which permeates from your words, voice, demeanor, and energy essence. And Del is the power to transform the ordinary to the extraordinary, from self to others to objects once mundane. Del calls forth the best within and orchestrates all to the greatness that can be. So that's, that's my name. Everybody's name is different and all the different uh, abilities and powers that people have are, are, are different as well. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we're given a name by, you know, obviously our parents in most cases, and we sort of just go through life with that name and we don't really, you know, give much thought to it. And it's, you know, you're going back into the, uh, I was talking to someone the other day, I was having a bit of a laugh actually about, about names because we had, um, obviously in England, we have like Cooper, um, things like this, where the name relates to the job that they used to do. Okay. So, um, Obviously, it's like a barrel maker, yeah, Cooper. So you get you get these names associated to your um, trade, yeah. So you might get carpenter, for instance. You know what I mean? This sort of thing. And I think what you're saying is a little bit closer to what the ancients probably the names the ancients would have had, rather than just um, you know, just giving a name after after something that happened. Uh, the name that we was laughing about was his cock. Um, I don't oh, know. That's a funny name. yeah, so we was we was we was, we was having a laugh. my name for sure. That was my name. <laughs> we're saying, how, how did the his ancestors get that name? You know what I mean? Did they just did he have a you know? And they just said, have you seen his? But anyway, um, so yeah, getting off subject there. But I get it. So how how did you you know come to pick these things? Are these given to you, or did you choose them yourself? Or uh, neither one actually. Um, the, in my understanding of the whole plan of everything, uh, before we came into this life, we lived in a, in a pre-mortal existence. And before we came down into this earth, we had the into a physical body that we're in now, we had the opportunity to gather to us things that we thought would help us in our lives. And, and our soul name is something that's existed for all of that pre-existence time, however long it was, thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, so it's the essence of our soul, which is why it's called the soul name. And so these are ancient abilities and powers that are the essence of who we are and what we can do in this life. And that's why they're a great power. And I discover uh, soul names on a psychic basis. So for instance, if someone wants me to discover their soul name, um, they would send me a picture. So that allows me to tune into their aura. And then once I can tune into their aura, I can actually feel and understand and hear their soul name in my mind. I can actually hear it as, a, as almost like a telepathic thought in my mind, each sound. And then I have to psychically discover what those sounds mean. And that I can only do because they sent me their picture. If they didn't send me their picture, I couldn't do that. But when they send me their picture, I'm able to tune into that little tendrils of their aura. Even if you're in England and I'm in, in the Western part of the United States, you, the essence of people's aura is everywhere. And I can tune into that little bit because I have your picture and I can find out what the meanings of those sounds in your name are. Interesting, I might give it a go. So um, when you get these powers from these, these uh, words, then obviously, you get these abilities, you know, these things. So how did you, how did you recognize that you had these abilities? Well, it's once you hear your soul name, oftentimes you'll hear something in your soul name and you just go, oh yeah, I, I know I do that. You just didn't realize that that was supposed to be something that was meant to be very strong in your life. Maybe it was just something that you just casually thought of and you didn't really think of it as some special ability of yours. But once you get your soul name, you begin to focus then on that. And you also can find areas that perhaps you have a weakness in. Maybe, for instance, part of your name says that you have psychic ability. And you say, well, I've never had psychic ability. And so why is that in my soul name? I don't have psychic ability. But what you can do, let's say, for instance, that um, in, this, in your case, that psychic ability was uh, the word ours, just ours. 
and that was part of your soul name, just a little sound in your soul name. But that sound represented bringing out your psychic abilities. And you thought, well, I've never had psychic abilities. Look yourself in the mirror, say your soul name aloud while you're looking yourself in the mirror multiple times, and then focus on that part, ours, 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 while you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And that triggers that part of your soul name to really activate. And you can do that as many times as you want. You can do it while you're driving in the car. It's best if you do it looking at yourself in front of the mirror, but you can do it laying in your bed, driving your car, walking on the street. But you say it aloud. You always say it three times at least. You can say it more. And that will start calling out that ability. And it could be any ability, but I'm just focusing on psychic ability because at that point, there's a lot of people who would love to have psychic abilities. And they're... They're there, they're available for everyone. One of, the, one of my books that was a bestseller when it first came out is How to Unleash Your Psychic Abilities. It's called Unleash Your Psychic Abilities. And it talks about 17 different psychic abilities and specific things you can do to unleash that psychic ability if that's one that you're interested or called to. If that's a part of your soul name as well, it's just gonna happen quicker and more powerfully. Yeah. Okay, so um, demons then. Obviously, the, the, the word itself conjures up a lot of different things for a lot of different folks, um, uh, you know, there's, you know, all different cultures. And so what would you say your understanding is of a demon? And, you know, can you describe it to us as best as, best as you can? I know it's well, it's, it's, it's quite different in the reality of what demons are than what is depicted in any media from movies to books to, to whatever. It's kind of humorous for me when I uh, read and see the depictions of demons. Uh, they are very demonic and evil for sure, but they can also be demons that are not that way, that don't actually like being demons, don't want to be demons. But the world of, that we live in is far bigger than people realize. And it's a multi-dimensional world. And to make it, to explain it in a, in a, it's a very big picture to try to explain, but let's just start with dimensions. The earth we live on is part of, in the universe, we see all the planets and everything that we can see looking at our telescopes is what is called the first dimension. And the first dimension, it doesn't matter whether it's earth or some other planet that you're on, in the first dimension, the beings that came to the first dimension when they originally were here, were very physical in their nature. Elephants, humans, strong. Physi physicality was an important part of, the, of anyone who's on the first dimension. Now, they may have evolved over the years and become much less physical and much more mental or psychic, but physical is what they started with. The second dimension, just the opposite. Everything that you can imagine from a, that's any kind of mythical or legendary creature that people think of as fantasy, like dragons or elves or those type of things, they exist for real in the second dimension. The second dimension, other than things like dragons and ogres, those are like two exceptions, but almost every other creature in the second dimension is very magical in nature or either has innate magical abilities or has magic that, they, that they're very adept at. And that's, that's that dimension's special distinction where ours is physicality, theirs is magic. The third dimension is the dimension of demons. And not a very nice place, very inhospitable. Uh, people's pictures of hell with fire and burning. Well, that's, that's not that far off other than it's just a very hot, where the rest of the dimensions have you know, innumerable planets in them. The third dimension has a single planet, that's the demon's planet. And it's very hot, it's very unpleasant in most places, not everywhere. But what people would find interesting, I think, about demons is first of all, <laughs> uh, they can look their typical picture of a demon as some red guy with horns and a tail and a pitchfork, not at all. I've never seen a demon like that. And I've seen thousands of demons. They like to dress very, very eccentrically. Um, <laughs> to give you an example, the very first demon I mentioned in my, in my book, Demon Hunter, um, which will be coming out on, on May 18th. And the first demon that I mentioned there, when I first encountered this fellow, he was, his name was Gilmore. He was dressed, the only thing he had on was a green, a lime green Speedo swimsuit and suspenders. 
that that was his dress. <laughs> and then you may find another demon who's dressed. He looks like a, an accountant. You think, wow, that, he would fit right in going as a as accountant at some corporation. Um, and they just dress. That's part of their persona. They like to just dress really odd in most cases. Um, many cases you would not even recognize a demon because if it's a guy who looks like the corporate accountant, he would just look like a normal person. And the other cases, uh, they look very ferocious. And uh, there's another fellow in the book, Ugar, uh, and he's huge, big, strong, ugly, pus coming out of his face. Now, that's the look he likes. They could make their look whatever they want it to be. That's the look Ugar likes. Um, so demons interface with our world they're invisible to most people in this world, but if you're strongly psychic, you can see demons. But most people, 99.5% of the people will not be able to see a demon if they're standing right next to them. And the second and the third dimension demons have, that's their home, home dimension. They're very substantial. I mean, they're just like you or me, as far as totally there. Um, the second dimension, the energy is a somewhat different than the third dimension and the second dimension. Demons are visible to all the citizens, denizens of, of the second dimension, but they don't have the same solidness that they do in the third dimension. And in here in the first dimension, they have no visibility or solidness at all to most people. Okay, so when they're on or in our existence, they represent themselves as, as people. Uh, well, they represent themselves. So sometimes they do, yeah, but not always. So some, I mean, sometimes like they could be like Ugar, who could be, you know, just this ugly brute with pus coming out of pustules on his face. Hmm. Uh, but for the most part, if you were to actually see a demon, you would you would know them right off just by their odd dress. Yeah. So they might be a, look like a normal human, but they would not be dressed like even the wildest human would dress normally, uh, with a few exceptions like the accountant type or the corporate type, but. For the most part, whether they were old, young, middle-aged, they're going to dress extremely eccentrically. Okay. Uh, you say that you've got this ability to see them, um, which is obviously handy. Um, so how do you know when you're looking at one, other than obviously a guy walking around in suspenders and speedos? Um, <laughs> how do you know? Well, if you were to see a normal person uh, that you thought was a normal person but was actually a demon, uh, one of the things that I, my, my first best-selling book back in 2012 was Aura's How to See, Feel, and Know. And that book talks about my life experience. I've been seeing Aura since I was a small child in full technicolor. And, and a demon aura has a gray band that's very distinctive. There's no human, natural human aura that has that gray band. And so that's a very good tell right away if you see something someone that seems like they're acting strange they may be a demon or they may be inhabited by a demon by the way the demons they don't use the word possession that's very common on our planet they, they use the word inhabited so if they're going and people are called isbos so if they want to inhabit an isbo they uh that's what it's called not possessing is possessing a human <laughs> inhabit so more like um like a parasite very much like a parasite. Uh, the difference is that, first of all, demon inhabitation is is not an easy thing for a demon to do. It's not something, it's like in the media, it's commonly per, uh, shown as being something that's pretty easy to do. It's, it's not easy to do. For a demon to inhabit a person, first of all, the person has to be in a very low space for one reason or another. And the demon who has a very different aura, I just mentioned the gray band that's around their aura, their energy is extremely different than humans under normal conditions. But if a human gets into a low space, if an isbo gets into a low space, then the demon will be able to try to go in and momentarily match their auric energy to that of the human. And if they can succeed in doing that, which is not an easy thing for a demon to do, then they can actually inhabit that person. Now, why would they want to do that? Well, for one thing, demons cannot, uh, they don't have the ability to feel anything. So they can't taste food. They can't have any kind of physical pleasure. Um, so they're, they're basically cast out into eternity of not being able to do that unless they inhabit a being that can do that. So if they inhabit a human, 
Now they can taste food. Now they can experience sexual pleasure. So all these things that they normally couldn't do. So there's a great incentive from that standpoint alone for a demon to inhabit someone. But they have a greater design than that. Yes, they want to be able to feel all those pleasures from food to sex to whatever, but they also want to basically hurt that human and any other humans they can because the you and I and any other human have something that they never will have. And that's that physical body that can do these wonderful things and feel these wonderful feelings. So they, they, they want to do anything they can to make that person, to convince that person to debase their body, to abuse their body, to, to extreme use of alcohol or drugs, to be extremely promiscuous in their sex, having sex with whoever and catching whatever, that's going to make the demon super happy. <laughs> Great, do that even more. It makes, it makes, they get to feel it and they get to debase the human. So they're, they're very happy with that. Mm. So I'm um, describing maybe I've got a demon, demon in me somewhere. Um, but I mean, well, the other way you'd know if you have a demon in you is if is that they have once they want to hurt the person that they are inhabiting, but they also want to hurt other people too through that person. So if you're a person that purposely goes out and does things to hurt other people, yeah, that that could that's pretty demonic as far as a inhabitation. But if it just happens, you know, as the normal course of life, that's different. But you know, I'm sure you've known people who they, they make it their mission to get in arguments. They make it mm. their mission to, to bother people, to aggravate people, to well, that, hurt people. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say about the aura thing. It's like um, uh, pretty much everybody's been in a situation where they get, uh, a, yeah, it's, I mean, it is a feeling. So you walk into, um, I've done it before, where I've walked into a, a pub, uh, you know, a bar here, um, where... You just get a strange. You just clock somebody in the in the room, and you just get a strange um, feeling from you. You just automatically know you're going to have trouble with this person as the night wears on. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a sixth sense or whatever. But and then invariably later on in the night, this guy will start a fight or you know with you, and you just know it as soon as you walk in the barn. It's like I'm not saying he's a demon every time, but there's something sinister lurking behind this guy's aura you know um and i'm, I'm sure many people have had that that same feeling or, or uh, another example is like when something happens um say somebody gets hit or murdered or or whatever it is the person that's caused that normally people will say you never like that guy you know i never like that guy it's something off about him do you know so I think that's what you're describing, but maybe these people are possessed with something or inhabited, as we say. Um, and maybe I don't know what 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 would you say the cycle is. I mean, say someone's inhabited on, uh, say they've got a bit of mental illness and and a de demon wants to go in there because it thinks it can, you know, manipulate that person to its ends. What would you say the the life cycle of of a demon is in a, in a person? I mean, is this something that can go on forever, or do they normally meet the demise pretty soon after? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, demons actually choose their victims uh, based upon questions like that, that they ask themselves. Obviously, because <clears throat> they're getting physical pleasure out of being in the human body, they'd like it to last as long as possible. But at the same time, they cause it to do abusive things like drug abuse or um, other things that they're gonna, gonna do that are gonna end their life earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier than normal. And so there is that, that balance for demons themselves. But what I should, before we even answer that question, I should make a, a distinction between demon inhabitation and demon influence. Because a demon inhabitation, as I said, is actually a very difficult thing. It's not common, it's rare. And demon influence, on the other hand, is extremely common. And the difference is that if someone, if you, that old picture of the little demon sitting on your shoulder, a little devil sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear, trying to get you to do things that aren't good for you, that would be demon influence. And, and demons do that all the time, every day with people all over the place. And that influence can cause that person, they're always thinking, well, maybe I should do this. And they don't make good choices in their life. Um, and they go down paths that are destructive to them and maybe to the small group of people that are right around them and their immediate family but not beyond that. 
But if someone's demon inhabited, that's different because now the demon still wants to get all the pleasures out of the person, but they also want to hurt a much wider field of people. So when demons choose to inhabit someone, first of all, if they're even successful at, at that, they're going to want to inhabit someone who has an influence over a larger number of people as much as possible. So the more influence someone has, the more people they can hurt through that person in some way, destroy their lives, their finances, ruin their job. That's going to be the type of person that the demon's going to want to inhabit. Now, what happens when someone gets inhabited? You just mentioned mental illness, and that's a very good thing to mention because the signs of of both demon influence and demon inhabitation are often similar to the signs of mental illness. And one of the distinctions is if someone has mental illness and they have all these different symptoms, then that's gonna normally have transpired over a period of time. So over a period of time, they became more and more mentally ill. On the other hand, if someone gets inhabited by a demon, that happens oftentimes even just in an overnight period. One, one day they're perfectly normal and the next day they just wake up as this amazingly crazy person and they never get back to being normal again. Um, that's a, that would be a really good sign of demon, demon inhabitation rather than mental illness, even though the symptoms might appear similar on the outside. Yeah, so I can just, a, can be like an overnight thing. Um, yeah, so obviously, they're coming here to do this um, and you know, like you've, you've, you've outlined they're doing it for their, their pleasure. Um, so if somebody knows they've got a, a demon in, inside, then how are you able to remove that? I mean, is, is that possible? Yes, absolutely. For most instances, but I should say that again, going back to your traditional media accounts or even the traditional way that uh, it is done sometimes, where people will feel that someone's inhabited or possessed by a demon and uh, they will call in their local priest or some professional, supposedly professional uh, person to get rid of their, the demon. And oftentimes those type of things end very badly. You can go all the way back to the times of when they were burning witches at the stake. And oftentimes they said, this person was inhabited by or possessed by a demon and we're gonna burn them at the stake. Well, that's so funny because burning them at the stake isn't going to, it, it may kill the person, but it's not going to kill the demon mm. and the demon will just go be <laughs> inhabit somebody else. So, and the people who are actually doing the burning and the, and, and the torturing, those people are probably more inhabited by a demon or, than the person that they were torturing or killing. But even today, you can, if you go on the internet and just look up um, uh, demon exorcisms gone wrong, something like that. And you'll read accounts of, of, there's many of them on the internet that are, are stories in our time where people were assumed to be inhabited, uh, possessed by a demon, and uh, supposedly the minister, the priest, uh, the professional exorciser, I can't even say that word, um, comes in and, and tries to get rid of the demon, and they end up severely hurting the person or even killing the person yeah. in their attempt to do that. So, uh, you, what you, you get a lot of people who think they know what they're doing there and they don't and they end up hurting the person more than helping them. Sometimes someone, all, the problem is they really do have mental illness. So before they try to, try to get a demon out of them, take them to a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, a psychiatrist. And the reason you go to a psychiatrist rather than a psychologist is a psychiatrist is actually an MD. So if there is a cause of someone's symptoms that are physical, like maybe their hormones are off, the psychiatrist can prescribe things to balance their hormones and take care of that problem where a psychologist can't do that. They're not an MD. They don't, they can't deal in that world. But in any case, uh, oftentimes when people think, yeah, this person's demon inhabited, especially if they have a religious background, that's their first thought. And that's not the case. They really just do have mental illness, but if they actually are demon inhabited, um, there are things that they can do. Now there's 13 levels of demons. We should bring that up because that's an important point. So there's the lower level demons, which are say level one through five. And then there's the mid-level demons, say six through 11. And then the higher level demons, 12 and 13. And the way that those demons act is extremely different. Um, most of your inhabitations, your possessions are going to be from your mid-level demons simply because they have the experience and 
the lower level demons simply aren't just not they don't have the ability they're not good at it they can't balance their aura enough to the humans to be able to to inhabit them it takes a lot of practice for a demon to do that but uh, in any way to get rid of demons if someone suspects they have a demon and it's a low to mid-level demon which most of them are uh, they just demons hate harmony they love disharmony so the more you can create harmony in that person's life, or if it's the person themselves that they can create in their own life, then the more successful they are going to be at getting rid of the demon probably pretty quickly. So for instance, if things that you can do to create harmony, don't watch or read story horror stories or stories of violence or war. Don't do anything like that that's disharmonious to your own energy. And you can feel it. You may say, oh, I really love horror movies. Well, you may really love horror movies, but you still feel that that tension and anxiety inside you when you're when you're watching the movie. Well, demons love that tension and anxiety. So don't do things that create that. And so if you normally listen to uh, heavy metal rock, turn that heavy metal rock off listen to some gentle nice peaceful music of your choice but peaceful not something that's disrupting to your energy so if you can do things to balance your own energy sunny <laughs> parent wants to be in the conversation <laughs> if you can do something to balance your own energy you have the seven energy centers in your body and and one or more of them can get really out of balance. And if you're doing, if you have disharmonious things around you, maybe your your wife or girlfriend or husband is always arguing with you, or maybe you have problems at work that are just, you know, just drive you crazy and cause a lot of tension. You're always under the gun, always under pressure to get something done in a certain time frame. Um, maybe you have problems with your friends. Maybe you, you just do things on your own choices, like like uh, friend we mentioned the music that are very disruptive. You gotta change those habits if, for that person or if it's if you yourself to make your life momentarily at least very harmonious. Let those energy centers just calm down and expand out. And if you do that, the demon will, if it's a lower or mid-level demon will leave. If, unless it's an upper mid-level demon, they'll probably be more resistant to that. But if it's just a normal low level or, or lower mid-level demon, they can't stand that. There's so many other people out there who will be more enjoyable prey than a person who has a harmonious aura. So just do what you need to do. It could be aromas. It could be sound. It could be, is your home light or do you have all the blinds down? And it's always dark. So the more you can do to be out in the sun, be in the light, make your home light, make the sounds harmonious, make the smells harmonious. What do you like to smell for essential oils? What are your favorite food smells? Those things that make you feel good and happy. Balance your aura, balance your energy centers. Most demons, if you are inhabited or even being influenced and you're not inhabited, you're just being influenced. That little devil's gonna leave your shoulder and go find someone who's gonna be a lot more enjoyable to be around than you. Yeah. So, on the physical side of things there, what we can do, you've mentioned smells there. Um, is there anything like, um, you know, um, you know, I know, I know in certain cultures they used to put like uh, salt down or something like that, you know, like a sulfury site of, you know, something just to keep things out or maybe even wear like a talisman or something. So, uh, or even to some extent tattoos, um, you know, some sort of endowment. So is, is, is that, do anything for this situation? It, it can. Um, I have another book I wrote years ago. It was another bestseller, Psychic Self-Defense. And it outlines many things that you can do for different situations from psychic attacks to demonic attacks to magical attacks. Uh, salt, you mentioned, is one that is useful for keeping out a lot of negative influences if someone puts a perimeter of salt around the, the room that they, they stay in a lot. It doesn't work for higher level demons or even upper level demons, but it does work for a lot of things that you might want to keep out. I don't know why they don't like salt, but they don't. Um, the talked about tattoos. So tattoos I would classify as sigils or symbols. And the symbol by themselves on demons has really no effect if it's just the symbol. And most of the other things that people would have uh, that are 
jewelry or crystals or things like that are not gonna affect a demon if they're just a crystal or just a piece of jewelry, even if it's a wonderful design that, you know, in ancient days, this was the design you used to ward off demons. The reality is it doesn't ward off demons, but you can enchant those type of items. There, are, I do that, other people do that, where if, it, if it's imbued with a magical energy specifically to get rid of demons or to repel demons, then it can have an effect especially on, again, the lower level demons. Yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation before in the past with people about this, because people say, ah, you know, a, a, a priest, you know, shows a cross, for instance, a crucifix to a demon, and they don't like that. And and they get hung up on this um, this image of why would it, why would it be um, bothered about a crucifix? And, I'm, and so, no, no, it's not the crucifix. It's the, like you said, it's the, it's the, uh what the essence that you've put into that crucifix the energy the the um you know, the thought process that's gone into this you're in your in your belief when you're using the crucifix you're putting all this we won't call it magic but this power into this object and it's the power from the object that's the demons of you know resistant against not not the fact that it's a piece of wood you know what i mean it's it's the power that you you're you're instilling on this object i think um that's kind of where you're going with that well, that, that is actually true. Yes, that what you said is very accurate. And, and it wouldn't have to be just across any kind of religious symbol that people believe in, that they have that faith in. Uh, if, they, if they're in that religious life, that can be very helpful. In fact, when we're talking about things to harmoniously balance your aura and to, uh, to drive away demons, religion can certainly be one of those. And it doesn't matter what religion it is. Someone could be a Christian. They could be a a Jew, Jewish person, they could be a, a Muslim. It doesn't really matter what their religion is. The fact is, if it's a good religion and it's teaching people to be good people, it's teaching them to have good character traits and to, to as you would do, follow the gold rule, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If it's teaching good things and it's supportive of their members, whatever religion it is, that's gonna be a religion that demons don't, don't wanna be anywhere around. So a person who, might be demon inhabited or being heavily demon influenced, even if they're not religious, and even if they, they have never even stepped foot inside a church or a mosque or a synagogue, if they go to that church or that church or that synagogue or that mosque, and they spend some time around people who are supportive, even if they don't believe what those people believe, but they are in that supportive atmosphere, that will, that religious supportive atmosphere, that will drive demons away. They don't like that. And so anything that's associated with that energy of, of religion drives demons away. They don't like it. No. And so those are yeah, certainly something that you can, uh, can use. Mm -hmm. What about this thing? Because people say, uh, and we were talking before we started about shadow, shadow men, and um, you know, they, they tend to come to people when they're sleeping. So there's something going on there where they're they're interested in us sleeping, but this, you know, this notion of um, when we're asleep, we can sort of astral travel um, almost into another dimension. You spoke about dimensions before. I mean, is this something where people have ever encountered these things when they're asleep? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, yes, that when you dream or when you're sleeping. That is such a great question. It opens up a whole another line of, of talk. <laughs> we think right now you and I are in our what I, what I call our day self. But we have a night self too. And where our day self is very constrained by everything around us that's physical, our night self is completely unconstrained. It's it, it can't be it cannot be injured while you're and you can travel with the speed of thought to any place in the universe you want to go in your night self. In fact, uh, it's something we do at my in my home that's quite fun. Is we'll say, well, where do we want to go tonight? And we'll, we'll pick a place that we've been to. Well, let's go to Corbalus, uh, a planet that's just full of flowers. Or let's go to another planet that has volcanoes. And we go volcano hopping because our, our night self can't be hurt. So let's go to the edge of the volcano. It's erupting. Jump inside it. Get blown up with it. And that's fun for the night self because the night self can experience that but not experience any pain from it. But in any case, the other downside of your night travels is your night self, because it can go and do anything, and it goes to strange places and sees strange things, 
that your day self can't even imagine. And so, but your day self, you're, you're recording these things that the night self is, is seeing and doing, and you're trying to interpret, what am I seeing? And so the, the images that can come out in people's dreams are radically sometimes different than what the night self is actually seeing. It's just the day self trying to interpret it. But you're also very vulnerable in your dreams because in your, when you're awake and you're in your day self, you have your protective walls up. If you see a person who you, you, know, you can sense that they're a dangerous person or might be a threat, you put a wall up. If you, if you have someone who's trying to con you or, or sell you something and you, don't, and, you, and you can sense it, you put a wall up. Uh, if you've been hurt romantically and, and someone comes up and uh, tries to make romantic overtures to you, you put a wall up and you don't just let them right in because you've been hurt in the past. So, but in your night travels, in your night self, all of those walls are gone. And so you do things in your, in your night travels and you dream things in your dreams that you would never imagine doing in your physical self. Not just cool things like adventures and stuff, but even things like, you know, have wild sex orgies or some, something that your day self would never do. Maybe so, and this is, can be a particular problem for people who are really religious and they have very strict religious stuff, religion they live by, but then when they go dream, they dream these highly sexual dreams that are completely opposite of things that they would do in their day self-life because you don't have those constraints and restrictions in your night travels. So you're open at that time to things you mentioned, the shadow man or, or demonic influence. Demons love to try to get people influenced while they're in their night self-dreaming because they know all the walls are down where they might have some resistance to them in the day, they have no resistance to them at the night. And so that is a, definitely a prime time for intruders of, of different types to try to come in and, and uh, have some influence on you. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if, if there's anything you can do to protect yourself when you're asleep, then I mean, is this, is this not letting your body get too run down? So you're, you're slightly alert or... There is something you can do to uh, protect yourself, and that's to become a lucid dreamer. Mm. That's a that's a huge one, and it, and you can have a lot more enjoyable and educational and helpful dreams once you begin lucid dreaming. Every single person can lucid dream, and you can train yourself to lucid dream. And the and the uh, there are some excellent books out uh, that you can get uh, in the back of my book, Demon, uh, Demon Hunter. I mentioned a couple of books to help people lucid dream um, because that is a very useful skill to, to, to develop. And it starts by having very vivid dreams. So you may not be lucid dreaming yet. So there's a distinction between vivid and lucid. And so if you have a very vivid dream, you, these may be dreams that are so real to you that, that you wake up in the middle of the night after the dream because it was just so real. And maybe something happened to it, like you fell off a cliff. And as you fell off the cliff, you woke up or uh, that's a vivid dream. A lucid dream is where you can actually have conscious control of the dream. And that's where your day self begins to interface with your night self in a way it normally doesn't. So that your day self has some actual control over what the night self is doing and seeing. And so, for instance, a, a, dream, I, a dream I had years ago. Uh, that I always remember because one of my first lucid dreams and it's a silly dream but it was I I was in a like a European old European town and it had a fountain in the center of the square and I was just walking along and these two bad guys on the other side of the square started shooting at me with submachine guns and I, you know so I had a little pistol that came out of my hand I had a little pistol I'm hiding behind the the, the fountain and these guys are shooting at me and I said wait a minute I need a bigger gun so right away, I had a bazooka in my hand. <laughs> and so that was the end of those two guys on the other side. So that was the difference. In a lucid dream, you can consciously decide what happens in your dream. You can consciously make things appear like a bazooka instead of a pistol. Uh, you can make these two guys just vanish over there, whatever you want. So once you have that ability to lucid dream, you're now interfacing your day self and your night self in a way that they normally don't interface and once you have that control, you're, if any demon comes in and tries to bother you, if any shadow pick, any of those things, you have control now because your day self is interfacing with your night self. And that's really the secret if someone wants to be able to uh, counteract those problems on their own. Hmm. So just, just being open to the idea, being um, aware of, of 
this is a possibility that actually in some way protects you if you're aware of it yes that does give you some uh it's like a, a warning sign so if you're you're caution but if you're in the dream state it doesn't mean anything unless you can lucid dream because if you're in a dream state and you're not lucid dreaming you're not in control of your dream then there are no no walls up there's nothing to protect you in your in your dream state except lucid dreaming yeah can you give me an example of uh, so when someone's having a demon removed um i mean are you able to see the demon i mean what happens in that situation how do you know when they've actually? You know, if someone was if someone was actually coming in and removing a demon from someone you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the again going back to our, our earlier conversation, most people who try to do that really don't know what they're doing, and they actually do things that are hurtful to physically hurtful to the person um, that they're supposedly trying to get the demon out of. Um, there are techniques that uh, you know, the only people I know that have the ability to do that and do it in a non-harmful way to the person is there are Catholic priests that are specifically trained, it's not a common thing, but they are specifically trained for that skill. And I have heard reports that they're, they're successful in their endeavors. And also the Church of Celestine Light trains their priesthood for that as well. But other than those two examples, I don't know of any examples of, of people that are truly able to get demons out of people that other than the way I already mentioned, we just, if you, if you make their, their aura harmonious and, and balanced, that's going to get demons out of most people. The only exception, if it's a higher level, upper level demon, then that may not work and you may need to get professional assistance. And I would recommend either a Catholic priest that has been specifically trained for that, not a normal Catholic priest, one that's actually they actually have a school for for that and, and very few priests go to it but if they have been specifically trained and have the experience or the uh, church of celestine light priesthood any of those two i can't really recommend any others than that interesting well you know like i say it has been interesting so uh, do you want to tell people how they can get a hold of you and obviously i can get a book well, they can go to my website if they want to get a hold of me, which is very easy, ambrosewin.com, E-M-B-R-O-S-E-W-Y-N.com, ambrosewin.com. And uh, on that website, they can see all the different services I offer. I have over 26 published books, most of them in the paranormal, psychic, and magic area. They can see those. Those books are available at bookstores around the world. If you, uh, you can go into your local bookstore and uh, wherever you live and they don't carry the book you want they can order it for you um and my book coming out next uh, demon hunter is uh, 520 pages and it's covers a lot a lot more ground than we were able to cover today maybe we can do this again another time to talk more about that the um demon hunter will be coming out on may 18th um it's in pre-publication right now people can go on Amazon and, and pre-order it, uh, the Kindle version. And if you pre-order the Kindle version uh, before the public release on May 18th, then it's only 99 cents. But after May 18th, the Kindle version will be 7.99 US dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I will. I think I'll get you back on to uh, maybe give us some examples of what's in the book, you know? Um, yeah, you know, just, as an example so yeah i might do that that'd be interesting but uh yeah again thank you very much for joining me today it's been a been a pleasure lee it's been a pleasure for me as well hope to see you again yeah and uh what's the parrot's called before we go this is sunny and the one in the background uh, this is sunny who's a blue and gold macaw and in the background is sundance who's a scarlet macaw nice <laughs> they weren't too, too much trouble to be fair were they no, they were good. Sonny <laughs> <laughs> wanted to be in on the show. <laughs> yeah, but enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you very much, Matty. And I'll be Another in touch. Day. All right. Look forward to it. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so there you go. I hope you found that very interesting. 
Now, if you want to get hold of him or you want to get hold of a copy of the book, and say it's not out till May, and we will be having back on to talk about the book just before it comes out, it's ambrosewin.com. I will leave the links in the show notes. Um, it's the best thing to do. Right, housekeeping before we go. Just want to say a big, big thank you to um, everybody, or the few hundred people that came across to have a listen to my new podcast, uh, When Cryptids Call. You know, the feedback I've got has been pretty good, to be fair. I mean, five-star reviews and that, so there's only a couple of episodes out. You know, Colin's the first episode. He talks about bumping into a dogman and that. Fascinating story. Even the papers uh, picked up on it and published an article because it is an interesting story. It really is. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, go across there, When Cryptid Call. Um, and if you can, if you want to support the show... You know, please share the shows on your socials and any way you can. If you've got, um, you know, that's just for, that's a realm and when cryptids call. So, you know, um, that helps us massively. I said it before and I say it again, but podcasts really do thrive on word of mouth more than anything else. So if you can get it out there for us, you know, that is a way to support the show, and it means you know a great deal to us because it's something we can't do. Um, so yeah, that being said, um, I think that's it in the way of housekeeping. Other than you know, like I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we will get these shows out to you as soon as we can. Uh, everything is up in the air at the minute, but you know, we're trying. We're here. We're still trying, and uh, we want to get the shows out. So there is things in the pipeline, believe me. But if you haven't checked it out already, go across to When Cryptids Call. You should be able to find it now on most podcast players. Obviously, in the early days, it's you know. Takes a while for them to get get on board, but it should be there now. So if you haven't checked it out, please check it out and let me know what you think. You can contact me at um, supernaturalpod at gmail.com. You can contact me at, uh, and if you've got a story, obviously, let me know. Uh, you can contact me at whencryptidscalled at gmail.com or obviously Facebook. Go across to Realm of the Supernatural podcast on Facebook. Join us and you can message me there. You can direct message me there or Finch. So, you know, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, that being said, a fantastic week, and uh, we will see you on the other side. Well, they've gone. Though, just for now, it wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. They'll be back.